Good morning, everyone. We are so thankful that you're here. Welcome to New Hope. Um, Before we start anything, I would like to just begin in prayer, if that's okay with everybody. Father, we are just so thankful to be in your house, Lord, a place that we get to come and and worship together and, and learn. But Lord, in scripture, you call this a house of prayer. So I pray that we honor you this morning by beginning our time speaking to you and acknowledging that you are God and that all of our plans and everything that we have set aside to do for whatever our schedule or whatever it is today, Lord, that it just be in your hands. We want to be guided by you in every aspect from our songs, our prayers, our teachings, to our jobs, to our life, our relationships, Lord. There is no degree or study, path of study, or anything that that creates in someone um, a better person if they do not have the power of prayer. There is no one that can come to every service and every church event for all of their lives that is any closer to you, Lord, than the person on the street, Lord, if they are not in a relationship with you through prayer and trust and faith and in reading your word. But, Lord, I just want to emphasize prayer this morning. And I give this church to you, Lord, and the members and the visitors, and I pray that you reach them in a way that none of us can, that the the music cannot do it without you, that the teaching cannot do anything without you. It is empty, Lord, without your spirit. So I pray your spirit in a powerful way be among these people today and in everything that we do, Lord, for all things, to please you, to glorify you, for you to work whatever you want out in us. We long to be your church, Lord, and I I, I pray that we long to be your church, a church of prayer and a church of, of a desire to be close to you. I just ask that you give us a spirit of desire, just the, the, the desire to, to be with you in, in quiet, in stillness, like Psalm 46, or, or in thanksgiving, or in intercession of others, or whatever, Lord. I give you this time, this hour, and whatever you need to do with it, or more, Lord, if you need to leave us here longer, please stir us to do so. Let us not be confined by the time or anything. It's in your name that we pray, God. Amen. So I th- welcome to New Hope again, and I'm glad that y'all are here, and we don't really have many announcements. I do want to say just, I didn't get to see you last week. I missed all of you, because our youth was on a trip to the Mount, well, to Look Up Lodge in Awanitas Valley, and our students spent a weekend in the beauty of God's creation in deep into scripture. Um, our girls and guys were separated, and um, they, they learned a lot through amazing teaching and scripture reading and small group study, and um, I'm very thankful for that time that we had away from the world to focus on the Lord. There's one new thing at New Hope that most of you may not know about, but we now have a prayer room, and it is right here on the main floor at the end of this little hall at the main floor. Um, it is a little cluttered right now, but as soon as Christmas decorations are out, it will be very open. <laughs> but it's a prayer room. It's a place that we can go as a church to pray on our own. And if you want to bring someone in there with you, that's great. But um, I have felt convicted for so many years about the need for prayer in a church. And 
and even more so that I'm losing sleep over it. And I feel like our church needs to pray. And I feel like we're drowning if we're not in prayer. And I feel like we're not seeking the Holy Spirit. So I'm losing sleep. And there's a reason for that. So New Hope, it's time to pray. It is time to pray in your own life. And it's time to pray at church. And it's time to pray with others. And it's time to make your schedule open for the Lord. Um, okay, so there's a schedule. If you'd like a schedule to, to hold yourself accountable, I have to schedule myself a lot because I have to hold myself accountable. Um, but there's a highlighted time, and that's the time that Russ is teaching or Sunday school teachers are teaching, and that's when we should be praying over them. So those are in yellow, so I would like for every week those yellows to be full, and anytime our office is open, the prayer room is open. So please come and pray. There will be things for you to pray about and things to help guide you in there. All right. So with that being said, I would like to... Move our focus now to the veterans, and I would like to thank them. Um, I would like to thank all of the veterans that are here. And I want to read a quote that I've always grown up with, that I've been, I guess my parents told me this when I was a kid, but it's always been something I think about when I think about our freedom. And it's from Ronald Reagan, and he said, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. So for all of you that are out here that are veterans, we thank you and we ask for you to stand, please. All of these men standing before you that, that were standing are examples to us in a lot of ways. And one of those is what it, one example of what it means to be a man. And I know that they go through a lot that um, we don't understand in, in their sacrifice and their training. And, and they're amazing examples for us and people to look up to for the sacrifice that they gave and the dedication to our country. And I know these men, the Lord, which I'm very grateful to have them a part of our church. Um, so if you could all stand, we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance together and then continue our time of worship. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
Amen. The King is coming. The question is, are you ready? Are you waiting? Are you anticipating? Are, are we living our life uh, with that expectation in mind uh, to, to know that He is coming, that He's on His way? I, I told people, you know, just look around and it seems like the Lord is, ought to be saddling up His horse right about now because it can't be long with everything going on. Amen. <clears throat> we, uh, Mo and I had the opportunity to go to the uh, North Carolina Baptist Convention this week and and uh, I began on, they had a pastor's conference on Sunday night and, and Monday morning. And, and so I went to that and, and it was just a, a, a great time of spiritual rest, I guess. Um, just to sit under some of the teaching and preaching that was going on there. One of the, one of the pastors there that, that spoke is Mark Clifton. And he's a, he's a well-known revitalization author and pastor. And... Uh, he made the comment, he said, I have a, and I love this terminology, he said, I have a very low bandwidth, bandwidth for drama. I have a very low bandwidth for drama. I, I like that uh, terminology there. He said, he said, but it's just not worth it. You know, it's, it's not worth all the anxiety and being upset over, over something that's probably going to pass anyway. Or in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't make any difference at all. So why mess with the drama, right? Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, Shaq O'Neal said, The older you get, the more you realize how precious life is. You have no desire for drama, conflict, or stress. And how true is that? We get so bent out of shape on over the smallest of things, the things that in, in, the, in the end don't mean a hill of beans to anything. There's a book called uh, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. You know, a, a lot of companies require that uh, for reading in, in the managerial positions. Don't sweat the small stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to pass. But we do. So many people hold on to the little things and don't want to let it go, you know. Oh, she did this, or, or he didn't do that. They ought to do more. Well, he didn't speak to me. I don't like the way they do things. Have y'all heard that? We've probably all said some of that too, haven't we? But Clifton said, I just don't have time for it in my life anymore. It's just not worth it. And he continued, for example, he said, he said, you know, I'm a big football fan. He didn't tell us, I don't think, the, the team that he pulled for, but he says, I record my team's ball game every Saturday. He, he said, and then I watch it later. He said, but I even limit my, the drama in my life so much that I don't even watch the game if we lose. <laughs> that takes a lot out, doesn't it? The way they enjoy it, they watch the game because they know who's going to win. They know their team is going to win, and so they watch it if they know they're going to win. If they know they've lost, then they just don't watch it. You know, if there's a, a big pass interference call, so what? Well, let's see how they deal with it. Let's see how it influences the game. Will it result in a touchdown? You know, what will come about it? Don't need be no need to get upset at the call. How many times 
especially us guys, have we seen a bad call from the ref and just got maybe a little bit out of hand, you know, raised our voice at the TV. Come on, I know you're, most of you, okay. We've all probably been there, haven't we? And we get so bent out of shape because a stupid call that somebody made is, what difference does it make? After all, we know who wins. He went on to say, me and my wife, we don't fight anymore. He said, you know, when you're young and, and, and got a lot of energy built up, said, you know, it's easy to go at each other. It's, it's easy to release that energy on each other. He said, man, I'm just too tired. He said, we don't, we don't fight anymore because really what's the point? And think about some of the discussions you and your spouse have had, we'll say maybe. In the end, was it really that big of a deal to cause you to go on without speaking with each, to each other for a couple of days or you know, being angry with each other for a period of time or you know, in the end, hopefully you resolved it and got over it and, and moved on. But he said, we just don't really, what's the point? And because most of the time, what people, what spouses argue and, and, and have conflict over, in the end, is really pointless. But a lot of times, we, those little arguments, those little discussions that we have, people will hold on to those and and let it fester and eat at them and grow and, and grow deep roots of resentment to where ultimately sometimes there's no healing to be made. So he says, in the end, what's the point? Okay, so th think about your life. Consider the different areas of your life, your, your home, your family, your, your spouse, your job, your church, your friends. How much easier would it be if you just let more things go, would there be less conflict in your home, in your church, at your job, in your friendships, in your neighborhoods? Just to let it roll off your back. Don't keep bringing up the faults of, of other people. Because really, is it, is it really worth the, the heartache and the frustration? Because you see, if we do decide to hold on to that grudge, hold on to that indifference in our life, again, it's going to cause division and problems. So in essence to say, we need to focus more on Christ than on ourselves. Because when we begin holding on to that grudge, we're looking at ourselves. We're holding on to it for ourselves. It's not hurting the other person but it's eating away at us. And, and so look around and, and see all that we, we look around, everything, man, that's going on in, a, in our world right now, and we see all the, all the injustices, and we see rampant crime and evil and wickedness and godlessness, corruption on every level, and people are supporting terrorist groups of Hamas and, and don't even know why. There are calls for the genocide of the Jews to remove the Jews off the planet. So much so that, that maps are being printed today that don't even have the state of Israel, the nation of Israel, on the map. 
What should be good is now bad, and what should be bad is now good. So seeing all this is going on, it's easy to get discouraged and disheartened and, and, and downcast. But remember, remember this, we, regardless of what's going on out there, we know, right? We know who wins. Jesus Christ wins in the end. Amen. He has conquered death in the grave. He has overcome Satan. He has beaten Satan. And He is the winner. So don't let the small stuff bother you. Get over it. Don't sweat the small stuff. Wow. Jesus wins. And, and you know, in recent weeks, we've been looking at how, at how we've established once again the validity and the, and the trustworthiness of the Bible. That it is true. That God's Word is the truth. The absolute truth. And so knowing this, let's look at and see what it says about Jesus' return. Because the Bible in the Old Testament said He was going to come, right? He came, didn't He? The Bible also tells us that He's coming again. And guess what? He's coming again. He is a, God is a God of promise. He is the ultimate promise keeper. And He will fulfill every prophecy, every promise that He's ever made. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through, through 44. And in that passage, is a, that passage is basically a promise to us. Jesus promised that, that He's going to return, that He's going to come back. That He's going to gather up all the people that are His, all His children, all those that have put their faith in Him, and to take them to be with Him. Amen. But nobody knows when that's going to be. Nobody knows the day or the hour when He'll return to set up His eternal kingdom. But when He does return, every person will be held accountable for their life. And, and you know, I say this all the time that, that we're going to be judged and we're going to be held accountable for the things that we do, for the things that we say. But here's the kicker. Also the things we think. And I know a lot of good stuff don't go in, around in here all the time. There's some bad stuff that happens up here, right? In all of us. But we're going to be held accountable to God for the way we lived our life. Are you ready for His return? Are you ready for, your, for, for His return? You know, as believers, we, we say, yeah, I'm ready. Bring, bring Him on. Come on, right now. But, but, but man, when you think about really having to be held accountable for the way we've lived. Ultimately, we're, you know, as believers in Christ, because of the blood of Jesus that we sang about, we'll be, entered, we'll be welcomed into heaven. But man, how many of you had a, a stray thought this morning that wasn't too good or wasn't too kind about somebody or something? Already this morning. 
on Sunday. Maybe it was right here. Maybe it was just a few minutes ago. Is he not done yet? Is the preacher not done yet? <laughs> you know, everything that we do and say, every way that we act, God is going to hold us accountable. In Acts chapter 1, verse 10 through 11, the disciples there, they, they were watching Jesus ascending into heaven. Uh, and, and so listen to what happens next in Acts chapter 1. It says, Then they were looking intently up into the sky as He was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. They came and stood beside the disciples. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, listen to this, will come back in the same way you've seen Him go into heaven. And so that verse right there tells us that just as Jesus was crucified on the cross, buried in the tomb, God raised Him from the dead, He went around and, and demonstrated Himself and showed Himself to hundreds of people and then ascended into heaven. God's Word says that just as He ascended into heavens, He's going to come back through the clouds. Amen. The heavens are going to open up. And He's going to come back. And everybody, everybody's going to see Him. There'll be no doubt of who it is that breaks the heavens open and comes forth. It'll be the King Jesus that comes back. And everybody will know who it is. Everybody will see Him. And everybody will know Him. And so as they're, as they're looking and see Him going into heaven, the, the men come back and say, just as He left, He's coming back. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels nor the Son, but only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and, and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered into the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen. You see, they were living life. They were just going about life every day like, like nothing was ever going to happen, like nothing, there was no judgment ever going to come. Get up in the morning, go about our business and and forget about everything else until Noah went into the ark and closed the doors. God closed the doors and the rains came. That's the way it's going to be. As, as people today are just living their life without concern for Christ and His return and the things of Christ and the kingdom of God, it says then people will see and know. It's for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day of Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the, with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Keep watch. Because you don't know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. He would not have let his house be broken into. 
And so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Folks, it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, next year, next decade. We don't know. But it could be today. In that passage, there's a promise, and that promise is that Jesus is coming back, that He's going to return. When? We don't know. But what should our response be in that passage? It says it's to watch, to be ready, to be watchful, to pay attention to the things that are going on around us. Don't be oblivious to the world like it was in the days of Noah. Be ready for His return. You know, the, the idea of Christ coming like a thief in the night, in the night is, is found in, in a number of places. In Luke chapter 12, verse 39, Luke talks in his gospel about the unknown hour. <clears throat> and it says, it will be good for those servants whose masters find them ready. It'll be good if our master finds us ready. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica about the day of the Lord in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 2. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and there will be no escape. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, he addresses the day of the Lord too. And he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. And I believe that's why He hasn't come back yet. Because He's waiting on us to share the gospel with those that don't know Him. So that they can be found in heaven as well. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We don't expect it. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. <coughs> in Re Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, to the church of Sardis, John writes, Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. And Revelation 16, 15 says, Look, I come like a thief. I come like a thief. His coming will be unexpected. Last year, I guess, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, as the sun was setting out here, and even up until, I mean, even, I mean, the sunrises and sunsets, it seems to me like the beauty of the skies is far beyond what it ever used to be. 
Or maybe my eyes are just drawn to the heavens. But it seems like there are more and more and more just the most gorgeous sunrises and, and sunsets that, that I believe are drawing the people's eyes of earth up into the heavens to be reminded that there is a God, that He is in control. It's setting the stage for us when we go out and share with them that there is a God that loves them, a God that died for them, and a God that's coming back. We need to be ready at every moment of the day. Again, when he returns, everybody's going to know it, and it's going to be without question. Jesus himself said these words in Luke chapter 17, verse 24. Listen to this and begin, put a visual in your, in your mind about this. It says, for as the lightning flashes... Think about a pitch dark, stormy night. Pitch black outside. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other. You've all seen that night. You've all experienced the great crash of lightning where, 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 where it looks like daylight. This is what Jesus says. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. <clears throat> Jesus says in Luke 21, again, just as lightning is seen across the sky, so everyone will see my return. Everybody. That's how big God is. That's how big our King of Kings is. It's not going to be one little slit in the cloud. Oh, did you see the rainbow? No, I didn't. You know, I couldn't see it from where I was, folks. Everybody on this planet is going to see the return of Christ when it happens. Amen? That is the God that we serve. And everybody is going to know that it's Him. Just as lightning in the, is seen across the sky, so everyone will see my return. Again, Jesus said, And they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That's how our Jesus is coming. Amen? Praise God for that. In Revelation 1-7 it says, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. Without question, every person will see Him. Even those who pierced Him, and those, all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so. Amen. Amen means an agreement with. Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come today. We'll know Jesus. We know Jesus is coming because He promised He would. We know He's going to come and we know that everybody is going to see Him. But nobody knows when that day is going to be. Jesus said, you can be certain I'll return. You just can't predict it. You just won't know when. And so, will you be ready? Are you watching? Are you watching the, the signs of the times? Are you seeing the heavens and the earth and everything in between working out and being put together for God's glory and for God's timing? Because you see, it says that, that some will be ready, very few will be ready, but most people are going to be going about their business, not paying any attention, not, not, not anticipating His return. 
when Jesus returns, people are going to say, oh, I can't believe it was today. I wanted some more time. I, I wish it was tomorrow he was coming. But it's going to be too late. The TV networks, they're, they're, I'm going to guess, they don't have a prepared story for the day this happens. When, when, when all the believers are gone, the network TVs, they're going to be scrambling and put a story on to, to try to describe and explain what happened. The truth won't be told because they don't believe it, most of them. The false religions won't be ready. But they too will turn the event into an opportunity for Satan. The question is this morning, are you ready? Are you ready? See, when he comes, it's going to be, it's going to be a glorious day. We'll see Jesus, we'll see Jesus face to face, we'll get our glorified bodies and, and we'll experience the glories of heaven. Praise God. But it's going to be a sad day. It's going to be a sad day. It really is because there are going to be people who have, who have heard the gospel and perhaps heard it many times and rejected it time and time again. Let me ask you this morning, is that you? Have you rejected the gospel time and time again? Because we don't know when our last breath will be taken. But it's going to be a day of judgment for them. Have you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sin and, and called on Jesus to, to, to save you? Or, or will you gamble with time and risk facing God's judgment? Folks, this is no game for God. Our sin is real and offensive to God. On that day, those who, who died but believed in Christ, they're going uh, to rise from the grave and they're going to meet Jesus in the air. Those that are still alive, they're going to come after that and they're going to meet. They're going to be taken up to be with Jesus forever too. That's great news for those who believe, Amen. Let me ask you this, is that great news for you today? Because you see, those who haven't received Christ, they're going to remain on the earth. They're, Jesus is going to bring judgment on, on the living and the dead. And ultimately, they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Are you really ready for the return of Christ? The only one and true perfect Son of God who died on the cross, who God raised from the dead, who ascended into heaven and who said He was coming back. Have you confessed your sins and, and sought forgiveness and asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Remember the game we all played as children, hide and seek, maybe as adults we're playing them with. Kids and grandkids, you go and you hide in the corner, or you do one, two, three, four, five. What happens next? What do you say next? Ready or not? What? Here I come. That's going to be the principle for Jesus. See, his clock is ticking down. 
And he's saying, ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, I'm coming back. But we're not going to be able to hide. Because every eye is going to see. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are we living our faith out the way God wants us to? Are we living our faith out the way God created us to be? Because you see, once Christ returns, or once we draw our last breath, all our preparation is over. There's no preparation that can be done. It'll be too late to start getting ready. Today is the day of our salvation. The message is Jesus is coming back. The King is coming, and so are you ready? Folks, the stage is being set. Israel has returned to the promised land after 1,900 years. The Middle East is in crisis. There, there's potential for a global economy to easily be put into place. Religions are being so mixed and becoming such a, a oneness. There's very little difference between them. Christian persecution is, is at an all-time high. The falling away from the church is happening. Natural disasters are on the increase. There's weapons of mass destruction. The, the gospel can now be preached in every area of the world. Folks, the time is getting close. The clock is counting down. And like I said earlier, I really believe that Jesus is about ready to put the saddle on the horse and say, let's go. When, when, when God says, son, go get my children. Are you ready? King is coming. Have you been washed in the blood? If not, today is today. We might pray, come, Lord Jesus. And in the meantime, if we're living our life as Christ, we're called to reach the world while we still can. Because we don't know either. If you're a believer, are you living your life that way? Are you being faithful to a faithful God? Do you hunger and thirst for the presence of God in your life? May that be our prayer today. For He's coming. Are you ready? Father, based on the truth of your word, the truthfulness of your word, you are coming. The question is, are we ready? Are we living the faithful life that you've called us to live? Are we persevering in our faith? Are we pushing to the end of the rope? Up to the end of the, the finish line. And God, what is it in our life that you have called us to do? 
What ways, God, do we need to make preparation in our own life? Do we need more time in your word? Do we need more time in prayer? Do we need more time uh, proclaiming your good news? Do we need to be a better example? Do we need to let go of the grudges? God, I think we all, we all need some preparation before you return. So, Father, today, we just surrender to you. We hunger and we thirst for your presence in our life. So come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, and have your way. In Christ's name we pray.
Thank you.